We did eat Vegemite on toast for breakfast the whole lunch. I was talking to my mom about comedians. Hey guys, we are here today with Miss Chipman back from the dead and Miss Bowie <laughs> to talk about art. <laughs> so, Chip, what have you been up to? Well, I went to American Academy of Innovation for a year and had a great time there getting to know new students, new staff. Can't imagine my life without them either. And then I received another offer to go to Real Salt Lake Academy. So I just switched there and now I'm teaching seven art classes there and seven art classes. Wow. Learning a whole new whole new system with all their sports and um yeah they just have it's completely different focus than here (laughs) yeah that's totally in fact (laughs) different so much so that i said so you guys don't have a library and one of their employees said i mean those are kind of pointless nowadays right (laughs) no just get get everything online (laughs) i told mr seminario about that he said wow paradigms are real (laughs) right Wow. So anyway, just been doing that. Also picked up a sales job, murals, still teaching art out of my house. Still That's doing awesome. graphic design That's for people. Cool. Right. Whatever pays the bills. With the bills. Yeah. That's the hard part. It's <laughs> paying the bills. <laughs> and it takes me on vacation, you know? I mean, really. That's what it's mostly about. <laughs> yeah, and that was cool too. I actually went to Mexico last year for a couple of weeks and taught some art lessons to kids out in remote villages and um, did a fundraiser for them with Choice Humanitarian. So that was pretty awesome. I can send you guys links to that. that if anyone's cool. interested in still helping Send me yeah. a link. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. And then I collected a bunch of money for art supplies, and we're still figuring out the best way to get them down there. Either I'm going to take them down myself, or we might ship them through FedEx. But either way, it would be so cool, because it's like some of those kids had never even touched a paintbrush, let alone done any art right yeah so anyway i was pretty excited i feel like one of those kids sometimes yeah i was gonna say I'm I'm like, i most, don't paint <laughs> i'm not the most experienced Very awesome. with uh, paintbrushes but i know some other stuff yeah tim <laughs> what do you do i do wood burning and when i did the ceramics class i was really into it and i made some pretty cool stuff so that's awesome yeah. yes he did i've seen some of your wood burning stuff online it's looking awesome Oh, yeah. I don't think I've actually taken an art class. What? You can take one of mine. I could, <laughs> but I could There's also Nathan graduate, not you know? Present. That is something. How do you get your art credits, bro? For music. Oh, yeah. I yeah. guess that works out. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. it's fun to be back here with my former students from the recent past and a former student from the past, past. long past. <laughs> <laughs> Abby was in, Ms. Bowie was in my very first 3D art class. Wow. And I remember thinking after those first two weeks, because everyone was really quiet, I was like, I can't survive. I can't do it. I can't do this. No one's laughing at my jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's all lost on them. But Abby was like this little saving grace for me. She was the one who laughed. Fresh air for my art. Because she took so much pride in her work and just she's one of those people i could just set supplies out on the table and she would just create for hours and hours and that's awesome like she's 
truly a definition of an artist. Oh, thank you, you know. so much. So, <laughs> anyway, so, I yeah. loved having her. Ms. Bowie. Hi. Hi. How's it going? It's well. Uh, that's good. So you've been working here for, is this, this is, your second this year? This is my second year, your yeah. second year. So what were you doing like before Paradigm? Oh, man. So I graduated from the University of Utah like about three weeks before getting hired here. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I graduated <laughs> in the summer uh, last year, 2021. Wow. And um, I was working for Chipman as her assistant and she's going to leave Paradigm and she's like, you should apply. To paradigm and i did and then actually got hired that's here that's awesome but so what you majored in oh yeah so um i have one of my degrees in english literature and nice. i have my other degree in film with an emphasis in minor in fine art and in animation okay so me and daniel read a paper uh from plato and actually it wasn't really from plato it's somebody yeah, who no. wrote about plato it's about plato like plato or yeah, like the, or it's fun to play, not to eat. You know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know we are better than. But uh, he talks about how he doesn't really like art. He's not the biggest into it. He thinks that art is just an imperfect copy of real life, of real art. Do you have an argument against that? Like, why are you into art? Well. That is a loaded question, my friend. I'm sorry. <laughs> let's, let's go into had, that, then. I just yeah, had 25 really... paragraphs go through my head all at once. <laughs> cool. um, I think we have to go back to the origins of art first right. and talk about why people even started doing art. Before we had the ability to record things digitally or with photographs, yeah. people used art to record their history. And right. so yeah. portrait painting became very famous. Yeah. And, not famous, sorry very prestigious right have your portrait painted but i mean you start with like cave dwellings and and they're recording their history there and then they're starting to put their history and and like community symbols on pottery or on their clothing and like so art gets incorporated into a lot of historical documents and that's what they rely on a lot of times to like piece together the history of a certain civilization but then you know photography comes along and i've asked this to my students a lot of times so okay now we don't have to recreate what we see because we can just take a picture of it so why do we paint what's the point of painting and i'm gonna turn that to abby to see what she thinks before i give my opinion on that (laughs) no it's all right yeah so um with plato's point on art being a copy of something that's already perfect. Um, if you think about it, uh, Plato, actually, so, so if you think about uh, Plato's allegory of the cave, how he talks about how everything we see um, is just an interpretation of something else. Right. Interesting thing about Plato, he was also very anti-writing, which is why everything we have by him is things that his students wrote down. Yeah. Because he also thought that writing would was imperfect. Right. Um, but, you know, there's problems with perfectionism. as we all know like you're trying to write your essay at midnight because you've been putting it off that long because it has to be perfect and it just hurts you in the end um life is imperfect people are imperfect and that's just how life really is um and there's perfection and imperfection art is like a real beyond real so for example when chipman mentioned that photography was invented people stopped painting portraiture so much you begin to see things like the surrealist movement in the 20s where like artists like Salvador Dali, uh, Man Ray, uh, Leonora Carrington, and other um, famous painters, they begin to paint dreamscapes, things that aren't copies, things that aren't real and never have been real, but they're real to us because there are emotions, 
There are ideas and philosophies, things that we can't actually see. There, it becomes its own original thought, an own original creation that had not existed before. So it's no longer an, an imitation by that point. It becomes something of its own. And jumping off of that, a lot of people will ask me, oh, I have these ideas in my head, but I never know how to get them right. out on yeah. paper, yeah. out on, yeah. can- on canvas, or how to, how to create this. And usually what's in your head is something that does exist, but maybe you're, you're combining different elements with it, right? right? So by looking at real objects and learning how to paint or draw real objects or sculpt them or whatever, you can then translate those skills into painting something that doesn't exist and you can make a conglomerate of right. all those things. So, you know, because some people be like, ah, what's the point in recreating this flower? Right. But say you want to create some flower that doesn't exist. But even in like sci-fi movies, they will take bugs that are real because humans can relate to that and yeah. they have an emotion when they see that bug. They have like some kind of like scared, tense emotion. Yeah. So they'll take something that's similar to something that already exists in real life and they'll like expand it and make right. it bigger so that, and then they'll, you know, and then they add all, yeah. all the different things to it. But like, I mean, Star Wars is a great example of that. Right. And <clears throat> so they warp reality to create something new, but there's still elements and traces yeah. of reality that we're still holding on to. That reminds me of Tolkien and all the languages he created for his books and in the Cimmerillion and all that because he's taken elements of different languages depending on the what race the language was associated with. And, like, I think he took some German for, like, the dwarves or something in their language. And then for, like, the elves, he took a lot of Latin roots and stuff like that. So it was more elegant. And it's just it's interesting how you can combine other elements to create something completely new, but it's not necessarily new. It's just different that makes sense yeah so that's yeah. cool i guess it depends on what your purpose is some people just want a pretty picture on their wall right and some people want to express themselves mm-hmm. and i if you go to modern art galleries you're either going to find like beautiful photographs that are capturing reality mm-hmm. and give people like a sense of peace or a sense of wonder or whatever emotion that evokes for somebody that they want that on their wall yeah. to create a certain mood or feeling in the room but like picasso said and you can look up the exact quote because I'm horrible with right. <laughs> But he said something like, um, painting is not made to decorate apartments. It's an offensive and defensive weapon against the enemy. And so for him, I mean, like he, when he painted Guernica, and I mean, he, he was definitely making some political statements there about what was happening in Spain. So... I mean, you, you see that, but I mean, there's there's so much artwork out there that really does affect people. And even so, I mean, this is a silly example, but really, like, think about memes, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> How have those affected people? And That like, is true. So many people don't even fact check <laughs> their memes, yeah, right? But they just share them. Right. Art is powerful, yeah. and it evokes feelings, and colors evoke feelings, and so... My defense to, or my response, I guess, to Plato, if he was sitting right here, I'd say, first of all, you're not perfect. Yeah. Second, yeah. 
<laughs> Put him down. <laughs> I'm going to take dumb, you Play-Doh. down, Play-Doh. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Play-Doh versus Chipman. <laughs> it's the showdown. <laughs> Title of the podcast. <laughs> like, show up with my paintbrushes and my hair. <laughs> Just have to force him to sit and try to draw something. <laughs> like paint. Like <laughs> war paint, paint on my cheeks. <laughs> um... Yeah, but I would say, first of all, you're not perfect. So I, why are you expecting any writing or any art to be perfect? And well, and, I, and there's sorry. an interpretation. Like, people see something, and to you it might mean one thing, and right. to another person it's going to mean something else. I love giving people the same picture and seeing 20 different interpretations right. of the yeah. same yeah. piece same of art. Yeah. I don't think he expected... Perfection. Art to be perfect. <laughs> he was just saying art isn't good because it can't capture the perfection that the earth already is or things that already exist. And so, I don't know. And then moving on to like something else you said about um, like art can make you feel emotions and like it can express yourself, but it can also like make, I don't know, it can just kind of control the way you feel and think. It, couldn't that be a bad thing? And isn't that often seen as a bad thing if something can control your emotions or like influence the way you think about something can't that like i feel like plato says something similar about that is like if something's controlling you or is over your emotions or telling you what to think even if it's a person or like just anything really it's not a good thing to have in your life yeah i was gonna say like it's not just you can't say that art's bad because you can control exactly what you want to be depending on what you surround yourself with so it's definitely not just art and like music falls under that category and everything Mm -hmm. and um and the friends that you have too very much influence your character and they have just as much power as art in my opinion but yeah and the thing is is there will always be such a thing as bad art wherever you go and i discussed this in depth with my graphic arts class or at least i did last year and we had a conversation about how digital art can be used to harm people. Um, we were learning how to use Photoshop. Right. And we discussed how so many magazines, for example, have Photoshop covers yeah. that give people unrealistic right. expectations about body image. Right. Uh, we talked about deep fakes in the news where people will use animation to make it look like politicians are saying things that have never been right. said. Yeah. Um, you'll always have people who will abuse the tools that art provides. Um, no, like... Anywhere in history, you'll find that, like, for example, like Soviet Russia um, creating propaganda posters that make um, that make them look good, right, um, you yeah. know, creating those types of lies. Like the Third Reich had their own artists that they'd commissioned yeah. to make propaganda. But, you know, alternatively, there's always going to be that option to use that tool for a bad purpose um, or it, there's a tool for it to be good. It, really, you can't separate art from speech. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way you could live in an artless world would be to live in a tiny little hut (laughs) and um, just live on your own and then talk to no one ever. And even then you would probably have a hard time. Um, Art is just a branch of communication that you can't avoid. It will always exist. Um, As such, the the reason you'd want to learn it is the same reason you'd want to learn skills such as public speaking, skills such as performance, skills such as writing, because it's a form of rhetoric. Yeah. It's not going away. Um, and so what you can do is when you learn how to do art, you can learn how to share messages that you feel would create a moral balance to the world or 
um, improve society, that right. is, which is what we try to teach at Paradigm, is you're trying to create a free society and better world. And there will always yeah. be artwork that does that. So yeah. the important thing to do is when you are looking at art is to critique it and ask, like, is this helping to create a free society and better world or is this being used irresponsibly? Right. Because there will always be people who use things like Photoshop or memes or even just like paintings or there's so many examples. Like you said, music, I music, mean, yes. dancing, Dance. yeah. like all, all art forms. And there's always a choice. Yeah. Like, have you ever turned on the radio and then there's like just a really vulgar song that just makes you right. gross? Mm. Yeah. You know? Like, it's just, like, really vile. It's the same way with, like, artwork. There's always going to be vile art. And right. Anything that people can create or say can be vile or it can be uplifting. And you can yeah. vote on social media and with your money. Like, you vote with your likes. You vote with your views. Yeah. You influence with, with your dollars, every yeah. dollar you spend on music, on art, on everything i mean any platform that's free you are the product yeah <laughs> yeah it's true and, and i was i was speaking with a friend a few days ago um and i was talking to him and he we were talking about like the fashion industry which is kind of its own branch of artwork right but we talked about like certain fashion fashion shows where the models are like disabled or they're not skinny mm -hmm. and toned yeah and we were like you know if all fashion shows were like that and they were more diverse and inclusive wouldn't that change our view of like fashion for the better like, it's the fact that we're consuming so much media that forces us to think one way, right. that it can become damaging. Mm -hmm. It's what we choose to see and what we choose to put out there that makes a difference. Right. Well, and something about social media. I have a whole thing about social media. I do not yeah. like it very much. I'm addicted to it, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's so interesting how one-sided it gets for each person because you're. it's showing you what you like, what you're viewing, what you're saving and all these other things. And so once you start getting into that like paradigm of everything you're liking, everything you're viewing, it's only showing you that. And the moment you want to see something different or go down like a different path, it's hard to get that constantly and to yes. get it again. And you have to actively go and Yeah, it's difficult it. when so, the AI tries to curate for you. Yeah. <laughs> which is another part of artwork is learning how to curate and critique yeah and it's cool that people are trying to make robots that can do that for right. us but it takes away the humanity that's true yeah that's interesting so i feel like there, there's the different levels right you can do art for at least some people would say that just doing copies of reality is like a low level of art yeah but doing something that expresses yourself is a high level of art because it is involving emotion mm -hmm. or you're trying to tell a story about You're creating something. a new reality. Yeah. And then, like, the third level is when you're not only expressing yourself, but it's also aesthetically pleasing. Right, yeah. Right? So you're not just telling a story or just creating an emotion or creating a new reality. It's also something that... It permeates someone else's pleasing. mind. Yeah. Or with music, it right. you know, moves you. Um, so I personally love that and enjoy that when my, when my students get to that point where they're not just like looking up an image on Google and reproducing it, but they're actually creating something that is coming from their own mind. And right. Like, Maybe they're using elements like having to like use a reference to to be able to create this thing, 
but they're actually expressing themselves. And I feel like those are the most fun art critiques when we're doing symbolic artwork and and talking about what this means and why they chose those colors or those symbols Mm -hmm. to be able to express themselves. And Yeah, and I I had one art professor back at the U, um, and he explained art as like building a house from the bricks of different homes that you've visited. Yeah. And he's like, every time you go somewhere, whether you're reading a book or you're visiting family, um, you make a new friend, it's like you take a brick, and when you create art, you're taking those bricks and reassembling it right. into your own home. That's so, that's cool. so cool. I feel like that's what we need to be doing with ourselves, too. Like, not just art. Like, that's a life lesson right there. So we need yeah. to be taking aspects of what we're learning, who we're learning from, and Yeah, it's like how you build yourself. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you build art the same way you build yourself. That's yeah, that's cool. That's totally cool. true. Like I, you go into my room and you're just like, oh, this is Tim's room. Like you know, because <laughs> all my art is everywhere. That's awesome. On my shelf and everything. Every single time I make a new wood burning, I hang it on my wall. All of my uh, ceramic stuff is on my wall. Even that little bit of oil painting that I did <laughs> two years ago. That's funny. That's on my wall. Uh, <laughs> but we talked about how art is so powerful. What exactly makes it powerful? I think almost what we were just talking about. Like, there's something about art that teaches you about life. And if you're constantly, it like, allows you to express yourself, but by expressing yourself, you also are finding out what you need in life, right? And so if, you, if you're having, like, a really bad day and you need to express yourself, for me, it's music. It's so much easier for me to understand music. But I go and I play the sad song. I find out that I... I needed to let that out so that I could replace it with a happier emotion and so that I could find those bricks to find that happier yeah. emotion, do the things that I need yeah. to and do I to get there. Another professor who shared a similar metaphor, a little different, and this was from a digital humanities course I took a while ago, which um, digital humanities, and I, de- I define this in my graphic arts class, but I don't funny I'm referencing that class more than once. It's one of my favorites <laughs> to teach. Digital humanities is basically applying like art and humanities towards like STEM coding, all that. Yeah. Um, but that professor shared with me that you can think of um, if science, coding, math, if that's STEM, then art is the flower to that STEM. Because if you okay. think of um, how a STEM works on a, on a plant, mm-hmm. it gathers the nutrients from the earth, it provides a channel for something to exist, right. and then the flower is what offers the beauty and what offers the, um, the magnificence of the, right. of the flower. And you can't have one without the other because the flower provides, um, you know, it attracts bees right, yeah, <laughs> to the stem yeah. and the stem feeds the flower so you mm-hmm. can kind of think as um like stem as just like what i think of as tools you know like that's like learning methods for rhetoric that's that could even be learning techniques for artwork yeah it could be learning how to use a computer um, and then the flower or humanities that's self-expression mm-hmm. and that's when you draw from the stem right and you create a bloom out of that yeah it's such a beautiful analogy i love that I was going to say, so, about why art is powerful, just as an example, I started a painting, and I truthfully have not finished it yet, (laughs) but I've had a number of people that have seen it in my basement, and one of my friends saw it and just immediately started crying, and she said, when you have that done, please let me know, because I think I want to buy it, and another friend said, when you're done with that, I either want to buy this or a copy of it. And I was just taken back because for me, it was just right. 
like a personal painting yeah. that I mean it did have a lot of significance for me, but I was surprised that it could move somebody to tears. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and um, anyway, it, just a confirmation of like art can be powerful because nowadays, who do people connect with online? They love the <laughs> ironically, they love the vulnerability of social media, right? right. They love yeah. seeing celebrities without makeup on or like, yeah. you know, like right. seeing people raw and connecting with their humanity. Right. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, art can represent a feeling that maybe you weren't able to express. Right. And so it's like you're putting part of your soul or your history on your wall or on that table or or if it's, you know. Yeah out in front of a museum well, or something. Yeah, and something else is I think sometimes we can be closed-minded in the sense we think that all thought comes in the form of words Right. when it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and there are many ways of learning and thinking. So you might have heard of the different learning types, how some people are verbal or like written learners. Some people listen, um, learn best by listening. Some people are more like physical learners and like to do things hands-on. Yeah. And a lot of people don't always have, and you, you always have this little voice in your head that always chatters away and says mm, things. Yeah. But that's only a piece of your actual thought process. We have thoughts about what we see. We have thoughts about what we smell. And there are thoughts that we have that we may not even realize we have. And you can become attuned to thoughts that are not thoughts and words. Right. The harder you yeah. think it is. And so when we say... You know, you can use art to express feelings in a way that words can't. You really are trying to express things in a way that words cannot. Because right. Take this from me as like an English major. I love literature. I love writing. It's one of my favorite things. Um, but even then, the most powerful literature will force you to visualize something. Mm -hmm. And then that's how the message is delivered. Yeah. Not from the power of the singular word on its own. Right. But because of how we're able to use our other types of thoughts aside from, you know, how we can think in terms of what right. we can say. Well, that reminds me of a book because like, I mean, at least when I'm writing like a, even a short story that I had to do for class or whatever, it's always like a little movie inside my head that I then write down and then hopefully the person reading it then makes up their own little movie for the same thing that I wrote. And it's, I feel like it's the same thing for art pieces is you have the, you have the thing in your brain and you write it down and then somebody else can interpret it in similar ways, but in their own way that they need. And I think that's what's beautiful about art is that whatever the interpretation it is, it's almost always what you need to get from it, if that makes sense. And it, it's so cool because like, sometimes you can get just one piece of art and get an entire, like, par like you can get several paragraphs out of that one picture. Like that's how much of a message there is. Yeah, a picture tells a thousand words. Yeah, it's crazy. And, like, you you know that with uh, Michelangelo's art, and you know that with da Vinci's art, like his paintings, there's always a story behind it. And that's another thing they talked about when I was taking a photography class. They just talked about the value of the photo is that there's a story behind it. I mean, you could just take a good photo of a sunset, but, like, what is what's the meaning behind it, you know? There's so much things that you can connect with. Like I took a picture of my dog and it's just like, you can tell exactly how he's feeling by me taking this picture of him. And it's just so cool because there's so much to be said by one picture or one painting, you know? And how you crop it, right? Yeah. Like totally. what you focus on. Right. That reminds me of an Instagram post I saw and it was like a bird that was like going in to the water to like catch a fish. And it was 
at the bottom is just like the photographer tried to get this picture like this amount of times it was like over a thousand or something like that and that's crazy because you just see the one picture you see the final product but you never see what went into it and how much dedication it actually takes to produce something beautiful to take whatever time was needed yeah to work on a project and and i have this issue with uh, new scholars and sometimes they'll show up they've never done art before and i feel like they feel like it needs to be perfect on the first try yeah which isn't true i feel that when you can let go of that comparison that's when your art actually begins to be good like um for example like um, i've had scholars before who like for the first few months of class, they'd be very hesitant to draw anything. Yeah. And then I'd just be like, you know what? Do you have like a character from a story you've made up? Can you draw that character? Right. And next thing you know, they begin to draw that character over and over. And as they do so and begin to build their own little world with their yeah. artwork, it gets better. They just, they'll want to learn how to make their artwork right. shine because they begin to see how they can communicate in a brand new way. Mm-hmm. And oh, where was I going with this? <laughs> I had a point and then I totally lost it. Being tedious? Yeah, being tedious. Know. Yeah, there is... There's value in being tedious and ha- having patience. Right. And I feel like the hard part is that we don't have patience with ourselves. Right. And learning how to do art is learning how to be patient with yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not learning how to yeah. be patient with the artwork that you're making, <laughs> but with, yeah. with your willingness. One of the most valuable lessons I ever learned when I was painting temple murals with Linda Curley Christensen. She was my art mentor for about three years nice. when we were yeah. doing huge murals. And she'd pay me to start her paintings. Mm-hmm. And so there was one painting she had me start, and it was a painting of a pioneer girl out running in a field. And I spent eight hours sketching that in, mm-hmm. getting the background blocked in. And it looks really good, and I was so proud right. of all the little folds and whatever in the dress. Right. And she came in and she said, That looks really good. Unfortunately, it's too small. Oh, no. And she grabbed a rag, dipped it in turpentine, and wiped the whole thing off the canvas. And I had to spend eight hours painting it. Oh, and, like, gosh. my stomach sunk, and I was so mad. Yeah. And then I thought, well, what does she care? Like, she's the one paying me. Why do I care? Right, yeah. <laughs> and then she said, I learned a long time ago, it doesn't matter how much time you've put into something. If it's wrong now. Yeah you can't be attached like that's just a sunk cost and you've got to be willing to start over to make it right and i find that so many times with kids that they're like but i've already spent there's definitely right i find great value (laughs) i'm like but in the end like your picture's not gonna look right right. who cares how much time you spent on it i mean once you're done with that you're done with it (laughs) and you're gonna stare at it on the wall forever so it's worth erasing it and starting over like what's 15 minutes now and it's gonna be on your wall forever you know i know right like none of us like it but yeah and i feel like that's like a lesson you learn in ceramics the hard way pretty fast um, right. Yeah. I had my first kiln unloading in my ceramics class today, uh-huh. and we had a few things that blew up. <laughs> nice. nice. Um, <laughs> happened to me before. <laughs> yeah, and you know that's what happens. You make a lovely pot with the clay, and you're like, "This is the best pot I've ever made." You stick it in the kiln, and then the, the kiln is finicky that night. I don't know. Oh, no. And your or... your pot breaks. Or they were careless about. Yeah, or it was too thick, or it yeah, had an air bubble. Yeah, it had an air bubble or something. 
And, I think it's you know, so you just have to learn that the kiln explode. will sometimes destroy your art, and that's just how it is. You I have to make something new. I've had something like that happen to me, but it actually broke other people's art, too. Yeah. I remember that. I didn't it's even know you were installation oh. art. It's <laughs> temporary. Yeah. So Install it in the kiln. <laughs> you know, like, ceramics is way more fun when you can just accept that it happens, and you can always start again. And, like, one piece of art being destroyed won't stop you from making more. Right. Yeah. One thing failing won't stop you from succeeding another time. That reminds me of a story that Fife told me once. I think it was in like seventh grade. He was getting a kiln into his house or something like that. And I think it like dropped. He, he or, built his own outside, didn't he? Yeah, something like that. And it, like something happened and it broke like really badly. And he got super frustrated about it. And like, I don't know. But relating it to that, in the end, it's more worth it to get the end product than it is the failure yeah. that something happened like this and i think what happens is society tells us any time we've spent on a failure is wasted time right yeah but if you enjoyed your time did you really waste it right and, and that learned yeah totally and that's something aristotle says in nicomachean ethics he's talking about how there's always good at the end and like the end product the final thing is really good but you still get stuff out of the activity and the yeah like the action to get to the end product and failure is just a part of art. Like it's just something that's going to happen. And so if you can find joy and find peace in failing and then restarting and then doing it again and moving forward, you can then progress probably further into that final destination, into that end goal of art better than you could if you hadn't failed before. Yeah. And I would say myself, like for every drawing I'm proud of that I make, I've thrown like 10 others in the garbage. Right. Mm -hmm. I kind of get triggered by the word failure <laughs> because I'm like, is it really a failure though? It's, right. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's better to just call them iterations <laughs> in whatever right. aspect of our life, it's right? It's a draft. And if you can learn to be okay with something like an art project that's for a grade, right? right. That in the long term yeah. of your life isn't really gonna do much do much <laughs> unless somebody sees it and then it ends yeah. up hiring you because of right. it. that's another side story <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> it's not relevant well, right I, now i know i'm a true story but <laughs> i mean if you can if you can get past those little things it, that will bleed like that skill and that drive and that persistence and like dedication to moving over something right. that was difficult mm -hmm. It's going to bleed into every area of your life. Yeah, totally. And if you can learn to like hunker down and do the little details on a stipple drawing, mm -hmm. you might be able to hunker down and like do a really good job painting your house one day right, or, yeah. you know, fixing a paper, like going through and proofreading mm -hmm. and like taking that time to take pride in your work right. and do something excellent and a lot of people expect that excellence so quickly. They watch these YouTube videos yeah. or Instagram 30-second yeah. right. videos where everything's sped up, and so then they come in and they try to do that project and you get discouraged. <laughs> right. And, like, I had a student that came to me, an adult student, actually. She's like, I saw this on on Instagram or TikTok, and I really want to try it. And it was one of those fluid paintings, right? right? Yeah. But, like, where you take the chain and then you pull it. Mm -hmm. And they made it look so easy. Right. And so we tried it and just laughed. We're like, yeah. there's clearly some other skill here right. in doing this. And you have to be okay with it not looking perfect. Right. Or looking exactly how you envisioned and being, and being willing to start over again. Mm -hmm. And 
and just eating that sunk yeah. cost. Yeah, in some ways, artists are scientists because you're experimenting all the time. Right, yeah. Yeah, I know. I take so much pride in taking a long time. I should be like, oh, this took me so long, and it looks so good and stuff. But people just expect things to be done so fast. But I don't know. That's kind of the joy in art for me is that it takes so long. And every single time I get time to work on some art, I'm like, oh, like it's so fulfilling and mm. it's so good. Yeah, it can be meditative too. Right. Just like your brain it. just gets lost. I even noticed the difference between my prep classes where it's seventh grade, how much quickly they'll try to finish assignments. Yeah. Versus our like my advanced art class, the scholar will take a whole month to do it. Do right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just learning that patience that comes over years of doing art and willingness to take things slow and I don't know willingness to recognize that you can always improve. Like I don't think I have any of my artwork from high school anymore. It might be like under my garage somewhere, what? like, but you know, it's because I just I'm I'm better at art now, you know, yeah. and I it's not like I regret making any of the art I did in high school. It was valuable to me mm -hmm. then. Like, is it great now? Probably not, but it offered me emotional satisfaction when I was younger, and that's right. what mattered. Yeah. Um, have you guys read Notes on Dialogue by Stringfellow Barr? If I have, I, it's been a long time. Okay, so basically he's talking about how humans want to have some sort of dialogue with somebody or a conversation mm -hmm. with something. And so it's the reason why like our kids' shows have animals talking. It's the reason why the Aesop fables exist. And we always want to have conversation with something. And in that, it brings up a scientist and how you have to focus all five senses into what they're trying to study and what they're learning, right? And so that they could be 100% dedicated to that thing so that in the end they can get the answer that they've been looking for. So I see that a lot in art and in music, which is an art, but just also in like businesses and people who are trying to just do something with their life, they have to focus 100% on doing that thing and participate in a conversation with the people and the actual thing that they're trying to do and that's something that art does is it allows you to have that conversation with yourself and to everyone around you about you know yourself what you're going through or what somebody else is going through and all of that stuff so yeah art's a form of dialogue <laughs> in your life you definitely notice some people are really good at art that you wouldn't expect right and sometimes they're really quiet people and they just don't know how to express themselves very well and their art will be like fantastic whereas like some other people, they'll be super outspoken, they'll talk all the time, and then their art isn't as good. Or sometimes the other way around, but it's just the way of expressing yourself and like with all five senses and everything. Like Some people are really good listeners, but they if you're doing art, and those who are really good at art, they put everything that they have into it. They put all five senses in the mind's eye into their creation because that's their way of communication. Right. And sometimes you just have to go and taste a really good painting. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to... <laughs> go up and lick it, Ross. It's like that t-shirt where it says, I eat oil paintings when the security guard's not looking. Yeah. <laughs> that mean? Yeah. yeah. So what are you trying to say with your personal art? Hmm. That's a great question. And I find <laughs> that... Honestly, I get so many commissions backed up that finding time for me to do my personal art becomes a rare sacred experience. But whenever I do have my personal art, I personally am trying to portray something that I've either had a vision of in my head or an experience or trying to evoke some kind of feeling. And I love combining abstract textures with realistic elements. So I'm like creating something that's maybe tactilely interesting 
but also that shows some refined art skills of actually being able to reproduce an image as well but making it an image that's meaningful right not just producing it to produce it so that's what I try to say with my art and that's kind of vague but I have found time and time again after eight years of teaching in school and another three of teaching private if you have constraints that creates an opportunity to be creative and to problem solve creatively and find a way to do that and, you know, anytime you do get a client that's saying, hey, I would like some artwork done and here's how big it is. Here's the vision I would like to have created. Those are your constraints, right? And then you get to be the creative problem solver and find a way to make that happen. And it's the same thing with artwork. And I've told kids many times, pretend like I'm your client. Right. And I'm saying, here's what I need. Now go produce something that is aesthetically pleasing mm -hmm. that like meets that criteria. Yeah. And but having that foundation of something to build on, it gives them a platform to like jump off of. Right. Otherwise, right. they're just yeah. staring at the blank screen. And okay. I kind of feel both of those complaints like with uh, can we just do our own thing or can we tell me what to do? Um, like I had a friend who he bought some wood and he was like, OK, make something for me. I was like, OK. Give me a theme, but I'm not going to let you go any further than that because <laughs> I want to make it still. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. It's not worth it to me. And so he was just like, okay, cowboy. <laughs> and so I did something cowboy, and he was like, this is so awesome. <laughs> I don't know. It was just cool. Right, especially when you have a client, right? Yeah. But truly, my pinnacle of a career would be where I'm painting everything that I want to do, right? Right. And someone just sees it and buys it, and I don't have to do commissioned artwork anymore. Yeah, totally. Like, I'm just painting my own stuff. Um, this is totally, like, way back to stuff we were talking about earlier. And now I'm struggling to remember why it related, so you'll have to, like, go back okay. and find it. Um, but this comes from a cool website called The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. So it's uh, people who make words for complicated emotions that don't previously exist. And sometimes they're mistaken as actual English words, but some of them are regarded as words nonetheless. Um, but there's one word um, from their website uh, called silience. They define it as the kind of unnoticed excellence that carries on around you every day unremarkably. The talent, um, the hidden talents of friends and coworkers, the fleeting solos of subway buskers, the slapdash eloquence of anonymous users, the unseen portfo portfolios of aspiring artists, which would be renowned as masterpieces if only they'd been appraised by the cartel of popular taste, who assume that brilliance is a rare and precious quality, accidentally overlooking buried jewels that may not be flawless but are still somehow perfect. Um, and that word, like to just kind of summarize, it's the type of beauty that we don't see. Right. What I kind of got from that too was everything that got us to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you go to draw something and students will say, oh my goodness, yeah. how do you... How can you do that so fast? I'm like, because I've been doing this for 25 years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and something about Plato's point about not being able to make something as beautiful as, as reality beautifully is, not everybody will recognize something that's plainly beautiful mm -hmm. unless you paint it and show it to someone else. That's true. Thank you guys so much for talking to us today. That was so much fun. So we always do a takeaway and a challenge for the students at the end of each episode. Um, so Ms. Chipman, what was a takeaway that you got from this conversation? I would say my biggest takeaway was simply being challenged about why art is important. I think it's good to come back to that. Sometimes you can get lost in what you're doing and forget your purpose. To go back to our earlier question of what makes art powerful, um, I'm going to do a challenge that 
I took when I was younger, and that helped me to see power in the ability to make art, even if you don't feel like you're the greatest artist. Um, I challenge you to make a piece of artwork intended for a friend and to give it to them and to see how they feel about it as a gift. That's a good challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for listening, and thank you, too, for being here. For you listeners, if you could rate us five stars on iTunes, that would be helpful. If you want to reach out to us with any podcast questions or anything you'd like us to talk about, you can reach us on Instagram at the Paradigm Pod. And if you want to email us, that is podcast at paradigmhigh.org. Do not forget to engage in the great conversation of ideas, whether it be through just talking in dialogue or painting a picture. Hey, welcome back to the Paradigm Podcast. We did eat Vegemite on toast for breakfast the whole time. I was talking to my mom about comedians.